Hallelujah. It's good to have everybody at church today. And you usually see a younger couple up here today, but this is as young as it's going to get today. Speak for yourself. Cutter mic. No, anyway. Uh, we have some announcements, and I'm going to let Gwen give those. Yes, so uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. We want to let you know there are a few things going on at our church that you'll want to plug in and be a part of. So next week, we're going to be honoring all of our graduates. So you'll see those names on the screens. We'd love you to celebrate them as well as they'll have their uh, memorabilia and those things out in the hallway. Drop off a card or an offering for them. So take a picture of the screen while it's there so you'll know who our graduates are. Also, to let you know, those of you with um, young children, or maybe you know families that need a church home where they could plug in. On June 20th through the 23rd, we're having Vacation Bible School. It will be an outreach to our community and also a time of discipleship for our own children. So um, if you don't have children within that age bracket, but you have a heart for the families, the young families of our church, we encourage you, sow a seed, Plant that into our offering today and just put that on your offering or you could also give online and let us know, hey, I want to support what's going on in Vacation Bible School this summer. We're thankful for those of you that are here. Maybe you're our first-time guest. We're glad you're here, glad you're a part of our service today. We encourage you to take that card that's on the seat back in front of you and fill that out in its entirety. We have a gift for you at the connection table right back here at the end of the service. Also, if you have prayer requests and you'd like us to join you in prayer, you may uh, text our prayer team at any time, or you can also fill out that card in front of you and leave that at the connection table so that we can pray with you and join with you in your need. So we have an evangelism class that's going to go on the first week of June, and Curtis is going to lead that. Curtis, would you just raise your hand? Curtis is sitting over here to my right. And if you're uh, able to attend that on Monday night, uh, June 5th, I believe it is, uh, please see Curtis, and, and we'll arrange all the details of where it is, and, but it is at the building, but what time and all that good stuff uh, later. Um, I, I am so excited because today one of my... Uh, one of my favorite people, Brianna, is going to speak in a few minutes. And, and I, I, I love Brianna. Brianna uh, came to the church when she was, in my mind, she was about this big. But no, she wasn't. She was in high school. But uh, we, Gwen and I love Brianna. And she just finished her master's degree on her way to her doctor's degree. Yeah, let's give a hand to that. Uh, and uh, I had all this introduction ready, but I'm going to let Gwen, this time, introduce. We are so blessed to have Brianna as part of our church. So you all may see her on the worship team um, most Sundays, but what Brianna has done in this church is she's also served on our youth ministry team. She's been on our children's ministry team, our worship team. She's been on our women's ministry team. And so she has just been a really uh, viable part of our church family for so many years. We're grateful for her. I also want to add to what you just said about her recent graduation. Brianna attended her graduation in Springfield, and when she uh, she knew that she was going to graduate with honors, um, I never graduated with honors. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. But Brianna graduated with honors, and she also received something she was not expecting, and that was the preaching award. So, um, yes, let's honor her. Brianna, if you know her and you've, you've heard her speak before, she has a love for the Word, and it's, oftentimes it rolls out of her in Scripture passages. And so um, we are grateful for her. Brianna, take your liberty. Your church family loves and honors you. Thank you for preaching the word to us today. Thank you. Um, if I do something weird with the microphones, just let me know. I'm not used to this one. The worship team laughs. I like the green microphone. Um, and it keeps being taken from me, and that's okay. I've learned to be fluid. So um, thank you all so much for letting me be here and letting me grow. Um, <laughs> this was the first place that I spoke. So bless y'all's hearts. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me have that. And it is also the place in which I have spoken the most frequently. And so you all have been gracious. Y'all have been honoring to me. You've been encouraging all these many years that I've been in school. I will be in school until the Lord comes back is what it feels like. It is a never-ending road for my particular field. Uh, the PhD is probably going to take anywhere between five to seven years. So just pray for me when I come across your mind. Um, God has but I would like to have you all stand again if you're able. If you're not, feel no pressure.
And I'd like to just go to the Lord in prayer before we really begin and just honor him and um, see his face. Y'all, y'all have, um, y'all know, those of you who have heard me speak before know that it's like there's an ounce of the presence of the Lord and like I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm going to weep. I'm going to cry. I feel him so strongly, so strongly in this room. And I'm going to do everything in my power to hold it together and not cry uh, because then I can't talk. So um, I just want you to know he's here. I sense him. I sense his delight. I sense his desire. I sense his pleasure. And he's here. So let's just talk to him for a moment. Lord, we love you. We honor the fact that you are here. We do not move on too quickly without looking into your beautiful face and acknowledging how worthy you are. You are so worthy. Just as we sang, yours is the name that is above every other name. There is no more beautiful name. There is no more worthy name. There is no more powerful name. There is no other name which is worthy of being spoken over and over and over. We praise and we bless your name. God, as we gather around your word, we make ourselves ready listeners, active listeners, but we don't want to just be hearers, Lord. We want to be doers of your word. The best way we could honor you is to walk in your to fear you, to delight in you, to love you always. And so I ask that even as we gather around your word, Lord, that we would be doers and not just hearers. Let it sink into the depths of our souls. God, may our hearts be good soil tonight. And you come and you have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. we pray. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. You may go ahead and be seated. If you want to turn over to Acts chapter 2, I will join you there in a moment. But it is Pentecost Sunday. Happy, happy Pentecost Sunday. I love everything about Pentecost. Pastor John, he loves to keep me on my toes. Called me up less than two weeks ago, kid you not, and said, would you like to speak? And by the way, it's Pentecost Sunday. And immediately, with no hesitation, I screeched and said, yes, I love Pentecost Sunday. For those of you who do not know, this is a Pentecostal church. And if you have not heard the term Pentecost, let me explain to you what it is. It is the celebration for Christians. We'll talk about Jewish origins later. But for Christians, we commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit according to the promise of Jesus, which really, he said, was the promise of the Father. We commemorate that outpouring, which took place in Acts chapter 2, which is where I'm about to join you in just a moment. And at that point, the Spirit comes. They're speaking in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit gives them utterance. It is a big deal. That is what we celebrate. Now, um, even as I explained that to you, some of you in this room got nervous because you have maybe a, a hat or a paradigm or an idea of Pentecostal believers. I'll tell you a story. I've never not been Pentecostal. Born and raised Pentecostal. And um, honestly, like in, in my culture, being a black American, there's like no such thing as a Christian who's like not Pentecostal. Like even the Baptists, like we're Pentecostal. They are, you know, that's just, that's the way we roll. Kind of an exuberant people, not very subdued. So um, I, I don't know what it is to not be Pentecostal, okay? But uh, <laughs> I have met people in my lifetime, and I remember being young, early 20s, and I was talking to somebody, some guy, and he said, you know, what kind of Christian are you? And I told him, I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal Christian, and he said, oh, are, are you the snake handling kind? <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? Because I had never heard that there was such a thing. So I kind of looked at him, and first of all, anybody who spent any time with me, do I look like the kind of girl who's about to touch a snake? I don't even kill my own spiders. So I don't do insects, I don't do reptiles, I don't do none of that. No. So I found out much later that there are some Pentecostals that apparently are picking up snakes and, um, you know, God bless them, but not here. So you can remove that if you do have a little bit of trepidation and fear that that is what's about to take place. There is no time in which there will be a snake brandished in this service. And on the day that one shows up, I am gone. Gone. I will bless Pastor John and Miss Gwen on my way out if that is the way they choose to go. So please do not approach scripture with that sort of mindset. Lift that paradigm and let the Lord teach you that just because there have been excesses and odd things from man, don't approach scripture and Pentecost in that way. This is a holy day. 
This is something that God has done. It is mighty. It is holy. So we're going to talk about Pentecost. I'm so excited. But let me read to you out of 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 17. Notice I didn't tell you to turn there. It is on the screen. I'm going to join you in Acts 2 in a moment. It says, pray without ceasing. On there, it says continually. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, ESV. Pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus. As I was praying and preparing, Lord, what do you want me to say? Knowing I'm going to speak on Pentecost Sunday, I want to honor. We dare not speak about on Pentecost and not honor the outpouring of his spirit, that precious gift that he gave us. I'm going, God, knowing that I'm going to speak on Pentecost, what do you want me to say? And I kept hearing him say to me, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And so I thought he was exhorting me, admonishing me to pray over you all, to pray in general. I believe so strongly in um, prayer as ministry. I believe as one who, who carries the calling of being a speaker of the word, that my ministry has not even begun if I have not knelt before the Lord in the secret place. Just because I come up here, this is just meant to be an outpour of what takes place in my prayer closet. It is nothing if I come up here and I speak and I have not prayed. So I was already familiar and the Lord gave that to me years ago, right along with the call. I dare not ever pick up a microphone if I have not knelt before him in prayer. So I thought he was just reminding me, you pray, you pray. That is your ministry. You pray. Speaking is the outpour. It's the overflow. It's the cherry. But your ministry is prayer. So I'm praying, I'm praying, praying over you. I'm like, yes, Lord, do it. You know what you do. And he just kept saying it. He just kept saying, pray without ceasing. And so I said, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And he said to me, I would like to pour out my spirit upon my people just as I did at Pentecost. But when I do, I do not want them to leave from out of underneath the outpouring. I want them to live under the outpouring of the spirit. And that does not happen if you all do not pray without ceasing. So here's the thing about Pentecostal believers. We put great stock, those of you who have been Pentecostal for any amount of time, or maybe you have heard of it and you get tired of hearing it, you know that we put great stock on praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, the day of Pentecost, being baptized in the Holy Ghost. We put great stock in that, as we should, and yet we act as if that is the pinnacle of Christianity when really that was supposed to be the beginning. See, in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus left, in verse 8, he says, you will receive power, not you will receive tongues. Not you will receive an outburst of noise and jumping and dancing and laughter and all the things that come with being Pentecostal. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, the point of Pentecost, the point of the outpour of the Spirit was power, wasn't tongues. And so how do we pray? What does this look like in our services? We spend a great amount of deal. We lead people. We tell them, we, you know, get saved. Hallelujah. Now get baptized in the spirit. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. And so we are unwittingly communicating that tongues is the pinnacle. And then once you got it, yay. And we all move on. And we ask silly questions like, have you received the Holy Spirit? Brother, sister. Do you, got the, do you got the Holy Ghost? You know, I used to hear that when I was young. But do you got the Holy Ghost? First of all, that's an incorrect question because if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to the Lord, you do indeed have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. You cannot belong to the Lord, the Bible says, and not have his Spirit. So already, if someone tells you you're not saved because you don't have the Spirit, because you don't speak in tongues, that's not, that's not it. That they mean well, bless them, but that's wrong. If you've given your life to the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, so we ask those types of questions. Do you, do, you, do you got the Holy Ghost? As if, as if, as if. The praying in tongues is the pinnacle. The pinnacle was Jesus giving his life on the cross. Everything else was an outpour. Then here he comes with his spirit to empower us to be able to be witnesses. And so we, we treat Pentecost 
as if it is this pinnacle experience and it is wonderful. It's not akin to salvation. I'll tell you that right now. Don't you dare emphasize his gifts over his gift, Jesus. Don't you dare ever. And it is a wonderful thing to be baptized in the spirit. And he does indeed want it for all of you. The Bible says the promise is for you and to your children and to all who, all who are far off, even as many as the Lord Jesus, the Lord God would call unto himself. So it is for you. If you're questioning, is it for me? Yes, 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 it's for you. But God wants to correct some things in us because what we do is we want to get it, say thank you, Lord, and we want to leave. But that is not what it's supposed to be, and that is not what we see in the book of Acts. So I'm about to join you. We're going to go quickly, okay? I have a lot to say, um, as ever. <laughs> so those of you who have heard me, you're like, duh. You are. I do indeed have a lot to say. I'm going in and out. Do you need me to switch, or do I need to stand still? You want me to switch. Okay. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. Can I get the green? Justin has yellow. See what I'm saying, guys? They never let me have green. Okay, I've got, ooh, you hear that? I sound deep. Okay. So we're in Acts 2. We're in Acts 2. What is going on? Let me give you a little bit of background, okay? Um, I'm going to start in Acts chapter 1. What has happened when the day of Pentecost has come in Acts chapter 2? Before this, Jesus has just been crucified, buried, and has risen again. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that he appeared to them across 40 days and with many convincing proofs, spoke to them about the resurrection and about the kingdom of God. So that is where we are, and he's getting ready to be taken back up into heaven. But before he goes, he tells his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but stay here and wait for the promise of the Spirit. Am I out again? Is it just me who sounds cool? Um, wait for the promise of the Spirit, which the Father has promised to you. Do not leave until you are clothed with power from on high. That is where we are. Jesus has spoken those words. So then he ascends into heaven and they stay for 10 days where they are. Let, let us read together. Look with me at Acts chapter 1. We're going to draw some connecting points with prayer and Pentecost, okay? The Bible says in Acts 1.14, all these, it names who's gathered, all these with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Everybody say devoting themselves to prayer. So Jesus has told them the spirit is coming. Don't leave. Don't move. He's gone back up into heaven. He says, when the spirit comes, you're going to receive power. You're going to be a witness. He goes back up into heaven. These are gathered in the same place and they devote themselves to prayer. Now let's come to Acts chapter two. The Bible says in verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm not going to keep reading for the sake of time. What happens is there are in Jerusalem Jews who speak many, many different languages. Guys, uh, Pentecost is a Jewish feast. It's called Shavuot, and it is actually called the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost means 50, and it happens 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So if you ever want to tie it together, it's usually in May or June, depending on the year. Last year was in June. This year it is in May. And they are celebrating. It is twofold. For the Jews, there's the celebration of provision. It is the celebration of the wheat harvest, thanking God for his provision. If you know anything about ancient Israel, uh, there's lots of bread and wine imagery all throughout scripture, very intentional. At that time period, um, it's the desert, y'all. Uh, I mean, it just, things don't grow, they don't live, and the rainfall is what it is. I mean, it's scarce. And so to eat, they gave God great glory for wheat, and they gave him great glory for wine. The water that they did receive sometimes was impure, and the wine would purify it. Does that sound familiar? What do we take when we take communion? We take the bread and we take the wine. For us, it's grape juice, but the grape of the vine, that purifies 
we see what Jesus is communicating. I am the bread of life. My blood is the only true purification. We see it all throughout scripture. So they are celebrating this provision of the Lord. They offer new grain offerings to the Lord. Deuteronomy 16 talks about that. And they're celebrating God's provision, but they are also celebrating the giving of the law. Pentecost, Shavuot, also commemorates when Moses went up on the mountain, Exodus chapter 19, and he receives from the Lord what we would call the Ten Commandments, the law. And it comes with great glory, and they celebrate God's giving of his law. So in Acts chapter 2, why are there in Jerusalem Jews from every nation under heaven? Jewish males were required at certain feasts, and this is one of them, to go up, and it is up, y'all. You know when Scripture says they're going to go up to Jerusalem, up to the temple? It is up. It's literally up. I was so sick of that in um, Israel. You've heard me say that. There's, it's like, do y'all have any flat pieces of land? Can we just walk? Why is everything a hike? Even up to the temple, the temple mount, it is up, and it's a steep up. So they would make this pilgrimage up to the temple to worship. That is where they are. That is what's taking place. They are commemorating Shavuot, what we call uh, Pentecost, and they are celebrating the giving of the law and God's provision with their wheat. So they are there, and when this is taking place, these other Jews who speak all kinds of other languages besides just Hebrew hear them telling the works of God in their own tongue, and they want to know, why are we able to understand them? And a lot of them accuse them of being drunk. Now, here comes Peter, picking up in 2.17. Peter is speaking, and he corrects them, lets them know, we are not drunk. It is only about 9 a.m., but this is the beginning of what God has said. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So this Pentecost is the beginnings of an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Joel that says the Lord's going to pour out his spirit in the last days. That is what's happening. Okay, so let's talk about what, what's the difference that we see. We're going to begin to look at Acts, and I really encourage you, when we leave together today, I, I really could spend like three hours and probably not run out of material to tell you, and i got to condense it into way under that. So please read your Bible when you go home and continue to study this, because the book of Acts then lays out for us how does the church change after the Spirit comes. We're going to look at a couple of things. The first thing we see continuing in Acts chapter 2 is that they have boldness. Do you remember Peter? We remember that Peter, when the little girl, probably wasn't even a little girl, but she was a young girl, comes and says, when Jesus is being killed, he's being crucified, I saw him with him too. And Peter says three times, no, I don't know him. I don't know him out of great fear. I, I understand. I, we, we, should, we, dare not, um, we dare not make fun of Peter. Uh, I have learned in my few years on this earth, don't, I would never, I would never, would never fail the Lord in that way. Look at Peter. We, we, dare not, we dare not say with such pride that we would not have done something like what he did. I don't believe that in our own strength and power and flesh that we have the ability to stay with the Lord. There's a reason we need his spirit. He keeps us. We don't keep ourselves. So we dare not even have that sort of attitude. Please, if that even rose up in your heart, that's the devil. Kick it out. He loves to accuse. He's still accusing the men of scripture, the women of scripture. So Peter runs, he flees, he can't stay with the Lord, but now he is speaking boldly to thousands of thousands of people, and what happens as a result of his boldness? 3,000 people are saved. Result number one, boldness. Result number two, 3,000 salvations. Hallelujah. This is what's going on because the Spirit has come. Okay, now we're still talking about prayer. Let's keep going. Go down to Acts Chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says, talking about the three, that right after this, 3,000 souls were added, right before this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Everybody say, the prayers. So we see that before the Spirit was given, they were praying. 
after the Spirit is poured out, they are praying. And both times it says they were devoted to praying. Let's keep reading. What happens because they're prayerful? The Bible says all came upon on every soul. Many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. The believers are in unity. Nobody lacks anything. They're selling their stuff and giving it to each other. Great selflessness. They are rejoicing. They have favor with God. They have favor with all the people. And day by day, people are being saved. This is the power that Jesus was talking about. Look at Acts 3.1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So here we are again. We see that not only are they walking in the Spirit, but they are walking in unceasing prayer. The two are connected. What happens? I'm not going to read it. I'm going to describe it. As they're trying to go up to pray, as is their custom, they are interrupted by a man who is lame, has been lame, I believe, from birth, and he is always begging at the gate that is called beautiful. He wants money. He's poor. He can't do anything, of course makes sense to us. And Peter looks into his eyes and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he does. So what else do we see that has changed because the Spirit has come? The lame are walking. This is unheard of. Why do we know it's unheard of? Because right after that, the chief priests, the rulers, the elders are not pleased. They are none too pleased. Let us situate them back in history Jesus has just been crucified, okay? Jesus was a problem for them, hence why he was crucified. And so too are his followers. They are now a problem. Why? They're continuing to speak in the name, and things are being done. Results are being seen. They cannot deny that this man who lived his life at that beautiful gate and never could walk is now walking. So they are upset, and they begin to threaten Peter and John and tell them, do not speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Look at Peter. He's so bold. He says, whether it seems good to you to do this or not, you, you got to decide this for you. But for me, for us, we cannot help but speak in the name of God. We're going to continue. And so they couldn't find a way to threat, do anything. They couldn't punish them because the people have seen it and they can't deny the sign. So they just threaten them some more. They just, you know, they threaten them some more. This is a political issue, okay? These are the politicians of the day. Very, very threatening pressure-filled situation Peter is in, and he speaks with boldness and refuses to deny Jesus again. Hallelujah. Then, what happens? Okay, navigating down to Acts chapter 4, right after this, uh, Peter and John, they go back, they threaten them again, the chief priests and the rulers, and they go back to the other believers, they let them know what has happened, picking up in Acts 4, 29, right, they told them, we were threatened. This is what the chief priests, the rulers, and the elders said. And the Bible says, and this is, they began to pray, and this is what they prayed. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God in boldness. Do you see a pattern? So here's what we do not incorrectly conclude. What I am not suggesting to you today is that by praying, they somehow earned the promise, the gift of the Spirit. No, 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 it was a gift. It was a promise. However, it is in the context of prayer that the promise was fulfilled. And it is in the context of unceasing prayer that the power of the promise continue to be lived out. We never see them stop praying. You can continue through Acts. I could continue to show you examples. If you look in Acts chapter 7, we're dealing with Stephen who became a martyr, and they're, they're upset because uh, the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, are upset because their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution. So they bring the complaints to the apostles, and they say, it is not good for us to stop studying the word. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the preaching of the word, and we're going to choose somebody to handle that prayer. The devotion to prayer is what enabled all the wonderful things that we see in the book of Acts to be lived out, and for the whole rest, really, of the New Testament to be written. So, if prayer is this big of a deal, why do we cease praying? Why do we not pray? I'm going to 
offer to you something. The Lord has taught me much about prayer um, through my years. I've taken some classes on on prayer in school, but also just personally, he's taught me some things. And he recently for this in preparation for you all taught me something new. I'm excited to share it with you. Blew my mind. One of the reasons I think that we cease to pray is that we do not properly understand prayer. I'd like to start there. I'd like to do a little bit of a teaching about prayer because when I said pray without ceasing, a lot of you got a picture of a man in a cloak with a long flowing beard who locks himself in his room and never comes out and says, thus saith the Lord. And you think about screaming and yelling and strong tears and, and that that's, there's a place for that sometimes in prayer, but that is not the essence of prayer. And some of you, when I said prayer, you're thinking about asking God for felt needs. There's a place for that in prayer, but that is not all that prayer is. I think we fail to pray because we do not have a great understanding of what prayer is. And I think God would like to restore prayer to his church. Jesus, he said, speaking the words of God from the Old Testament while he was on this earth, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. He didn't say a house of tongues. He said a house of prayer. What is his house? Not this building. Love the chapel. But if it burned down tomorrow, Jesus is not going to weep. You who have the Holy Spirit in you, you are his temple. Where is his house? You, me, me. We are the house. We are the dwelling place of the, of the Holy Spirit. So what house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples? This house, right here, right here. So let's talk about prayer. What is prayer? I'm so excited to teach this, guys. The Lord is so sweet. So I'm talking to Jesus, right? <laughs> as we should. And I'm asking him about, you know, prayer, all the things. And I look up in my study, the Greek word for prayer, going back to praying without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I look up for the word, I look up the Greek word for the word pray. And it happens to be the same word used across all these scripture passages that we've been examining today. Let me tell you what it means. It is formed by two different Greek words, which come together to form the meaning an exchange of wishes, an exchange of wishes. So I didn't really like know what to do with that. <laughs> so I sat and I asked him, Lord, I need a definition. I need you to tell me. And he literally said to me, if you're taking notes, I recommend you write it down and just meditate on it. He said to me, Brianna, prayer is the means by which your mind is made known to me and mine is made known to you. I'm going to say it again. Prayer is the means by which your mind is made known to me, and my mind is made known to you. So, you know, I heard that, and, um, you know, I thought I made it up. <laughs> Anybody ever have that when, when you're like, God, that sounds so great, but it sounds like me. <laughs> like, did I make that up, or was that, was that you? And then I found the definition, um, exchange of wishes, and I was like, okay, okay, hold on. The Spirit is speaking. I'd like to read to you what a commentator said that I wrote down that blessed me. Um, basically, to sum up prayer— Prayer is an interaction with the Lord where you switch your human wishes and ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith. So a simple way to sum up prayer, yes, could be to say it's simply, simply put communication with God, talking to God. But I don't like that definition because that is, that is the lowest level of prayer, in my opinion. How many, y'all, do you know that unsaved people talk to God? People who don't even believe in him talk to him. Just because I talk to him does not mean that I have prayed. And so I've had heard, you know, unsafe people, you know, you'll hear things. We say expressions all the time. Um, you know, God, please. And, you know, um, thank God. And, you know, all these types of things. And God, if you can do it, you, there's, there's, no, there's no faith in that. There's no foundation in that. There's no anchor in that. So, so just talking to the Lord doesn't mean you've prayed. And I would venture to wager, and I'm going to make a lofty statement, don't let that discourage you. Let your faith rise in the room. There has never been a time in my life where I've gone in to pray, to actually pray, not to complain, <laughs> not to lament, not to throw my little fit when I'm mad at God because he's not moving in my timing. When I've gone in to actually pray according to what he defines prayer is that he has not met me, not one single time. And he comes even quicker when I'm not doing my little whining. <laughs> I'll tell you that right there. Um, again, there is a place for lamenting, and you see that in the scriptures. I'm not telling you that. Share your heart with him. But I'm saying he is the one who gets to tell us how we are to approach him. And so he alone is the one who gets to define prayer. And so there's never a time where I've gone in to actually pray, like I said, not all the other stuff that we like to do, 
that he hasn't met me. And if he has not met me, then I have not prayed. According to the definition that we just read, what is it? It's an exchange of wishes. So how do I know if I prayed? If I've given him my mind and I have received his in turn. Pastor John has been teaching this for years. He has had us and challenged us over and over again to read 1 Corinthians 2. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So yes, you can get it from his word as you should. This is his mind. If you want to know anything, what is your mind on a matter? It's right here. But how many of you guys know this book right here, this holy, lovely book does not tell me, Brianna, go forth and marry Melchizedek. It doesn't say. <laughs> it doesn't tell me who am I supposed to marry. It never said to me, and I struggled with this, y'all, because I want, I want to hear. You know, it didn't say to me, go to this university and study this degree. It didn't say to me, yes, thou shalt leave this church because the pastor is useless. You know, whatever. It doesn't say. <laughs> it doesn't. So if you said the word said that, the word did not say that. It doesn't say that. So I don't have the complete counsel of his will. This is, let me, let me qualify that. This is indeed the complete counsel of his will. But, but what does he want me to do with this? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. A lot of times we, we, we say it as, you know, if you hear the word of God, then, then, then faith will come. Yes, but let me stretch you. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, the ability to hear, comes by the word of God. So when you're in your word, you receive the ability to hear. See, a lot of people love to say, well, God doesn't, he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't say things to me. And, and you know, those of us who minister, we know, and it comes from, like, origins of Catholicism of, you know, you go to the priest because the priest is the intermediary between God and man. We are all the royal priesthood and the holy nation unto God. So you can go to the Lord yourself. Nothing wrong with praying for each other. But we all can speak to him. It is not that he is not speaking to you. It is that you are not speaking to him. And so you say, I don't hear anything, Brianna. Well, I would ask you, when was the last time that you were in your word? Number one. And then I would remind you that faith comes by hearing. You cannot get the ability to hear until you are in your word. And so what am I trying to tell you? Prayer is that place of hearing. Prayer is that place where you give the Lord your mind, he gives you his, he speaks to you, and you receive specific guidance and counsel for your situation, okay? I'll give you a couple examples later, but I want to talk about specific different types of prayer, and then we're going to pray. We dare not teach about praying and not approach the Lord in prayer. So I hope you're excited. I believe that he's going to pour out his spirit just as he did before, and you don't have to fear that. It's a glorious thing to be in the spirit, and he's going to meet you all. I believe he wants to restore prayer. Prayer belongs to us. Can, can I, let me just say something. Uh, where's Quentin? I don't see him. I'm sure you're in the room. Um, he's in the back. Great. Wonderful. Quentin has also been to Israel, and he asked me when I got, when I got back, um, you know, how did, how did it feel going on the Temple Mount? Uh, if you don't know, the Temple Mount, guys, where the temple used to be, belongs to the Muslims right now. And, um, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it belongs to the, yeah, he's waving to me. Hey, I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> it belongs to the Muslims right now. And so uh, Quentin was asking me, did you hear the calls to prayer over the city? If you don't know much about the Muslim faith, they pray like five times a day um, with their little prayer carpets and things. And um, across the city, Jerusalem is a very religious, a melting pot of several religions, there's the call to prayer um, very loudly. That's literally what it sounds like. I'm not even trying to be irreverent. <laughs> like they're like, and they're screaming for like two minutes. And you're like, okay, y'all go ahead and pray so that we can like have this our hearing back. So, um, you know, it, it looks holy and it sounds devout. Prayer belongs to us. Prayer belongs to us. They're not talking to God and they wish they were. And they have a formula for how often they should pray five times a day facing a certain direction in the direction of Mecca and all kinds of things of that nature. Yet God invites us to his throne at any time. Pray without ceasing. They have five times a day. We have forever because of the blood of Jesus. Prayer belongs to us. So I want to talk about different types of prayer that you might be familiar with. I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures. They'll be on the screens um, pretty quickly. Okay, so first there's the prayer of thanksgiving and of praise. 
Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So we see that it is appropriate just as we pray without ceasing, we can praise and give thanks without ceasing. Psalm 149, 6 says, let the high praises of God be in their throats. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Let me center us for a moment. What am I talking about? Unceasing prayer to the end of living under the outpouring of the Spirit. Let me tell you a story. Bless me. Lord changed my life in November 2021. Well, he's like always changing my life. But this was like a new thing. I was reading a book about thanks, the power of praise and thanksgiving written by a missionary who was in a very, very dangerous field. And um, he was just talking about how he would say, this is violent and it's so dark. And the Lord began to challenge him and say, no, that's not what my word says. My word says that the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. And so he would begin to declare over these streets that uh, were riddled with prostitution and murder and all kinds of things. This street is filled with the glory of the Lord. And light, light arose in the darkness. People got saved. The prostitution ended, da-da-da. And so he, wonderful, wonderful book. He's talking about the power of praise and thanksgiving in prayer. So the Lord was dealing with me. And in November 2021, uh, those of you who have been with our church for any length of time will remember way back in like 2014, I was planning to go to Israel back then. I felt the Lord say he wanted me to go, and I was planning to go. It just did not work out. You know, it's not that anything happened. It literally just, it's like the provision was not there. And so sometimes when the provision is not there, it's not the timing of the Lord. You don't have to rebuke the devil. I rebuke you, devil of lack. No, no, no. He will provide every need, but according to his timing, his riches, his glory, his plans. Um, so I knew he was saying, not now. And it came around again, and we had an interest meeting, and I just asked the Lord, is now the time you've chosen? And felt like he said yes, so I was going down the path. Now I'm reading this book, right? And I began to, and this is what it looks like. I encourage you to try it. I began to go to the end of Psalms, all the ones that begin with bless the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And I would actually open them up and that would be my prayer time. I would go, I'm looking at 104 right now. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, is how it begins. And I would say, Lord, I bless you. I bless you from the depths of my being. I bless your name, which is the name above every name, da, 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 things like that. And then it says, oh Lord, my God, you are very great. And I would pray along with it and I'd praise him. One day I was doing this. I didn't really, I mean, I was learning. It was maybe like the second or third day that I did it. And I heard the Lord say to me, you no longer need to pray about Israel. That is taken care of. Don't ask me about it again. It's paid. And I was like, great. <laughs> um, and a sense of peace came over me. And it didn't mean that I got a check in the mail the next day. I'm going to tell you that right now. Actually, with each of the payment benchmarks, some, sometimes the money came in like the day before it was due. But it came in with little, not even little, with literally no effort from me, it came in. What am I talking about? The spirit, he moves he begins to do things in power in the context of prayer. We're talking about thanksgiving and praise. Thank him. Praise him. There are prayers of supplication. What is supplication? It is the action of asking for something. Uh, there's a sense of begging. We don't have to beg God, but what it's trying to convey is an urgency, an urgent felt need. Um, supplication. So Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, what is the cure to anxiety? Prayer. It's prayer. Uh, Y'all know my other hat is medical, so uh, I know all the drugs. I sell the drugs legally. I have a license for it. I need to say that better. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Pastor John, you want a drug dealer on the stage? I need to say that better. I was trying to say I dispense medication. <laughs> um, anyway, so all the drugs, uh, I'm very familiar with every single drug class. Xanax isn't going to cut it for you. Oh, yeah, you'll feel good for a little bit. You'll take a nice little nap. Mm -hmm. You'll be great. And the other ones, any of the other benzodiazepines are not going to cut it for you. They're not a cure. They're a Band-Aid. They are a Band-Aid. What is the cure for anxiety? Prayer. Prayer. What does he say? If you pray in everything, at every time, with supplication, giving your requests to God, what does he promise? That his peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace is not a small thing. We like to think of peace as, ah, 
uh, uh, peace is like a thug. When peace comes in and bolsters itself across your heart and says, no, nothing is going to get, get you here. No, she will be able to sleep at night. No, he will not have panic attacks anymore. No, he is not going to land in the doctor's office because of this intense anxiety. That is not a passive action. This is a very active thing to have peace guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The book of Isaiah says it this way. You will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You stay your mind on the Lord and he will guard you in peace. That is the prayer of supplication. Intercession is one that we might all be familiar with. And you are thinking of a little praying grandma who never leaves her house and all her babies are saved because she prays them into the kingdom. Praise God for that. But that is not the limit, though it's an excellent thing to do. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for each other. It is not the limit. Intercession, the Greek word for that, actually involves being... uh, executing an intervention to see if God can get involved. Basically like creating a bridge between heaven and earth. And the word is actually really closely related to the Greek word for sin, which means to miss the mark. Sin is simply to miss the mark, the mark, the standard of God. Conversely, this word is trying to communicate that you're hitting the mark, that as you pray, You're bringing in the divine will to bear upon the situation that there might be a change. So we look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul is saying to Timothy, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Everybody say all people. He wants these types of prayers. We've just named three different ones. They're all in this verse, guys. Have you seen? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. We've just talked about all four of them. Four different categories. They're not all the same, okay? Be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Go down to verse 8. He says, I desire then that in every place, so not just every time, but every place the men should pray. I desire that in every place the men should pray. Not the men should argue. Not the men should fight. Not the men should vote. I'm not telling you not to vote. Please vote. Vote. Do your your job as a citizen of this country. But the American political system is not your salvation. It is not your hope. Your vote is not equivalent to your prayer. And I am so beyond the idolatry of politics in America that we are seeing in the church, where a political candidate is akin to what faith you have. They are not the same. It's not a new trick. They were doing the same thing in Jesus' day. They tried to get him to be their political leader. This is not new. We have that tendency. And the lesson is the same. Jesus alone. It is not Jesus and the Republican Party. It is not Jesus and the Democratic Party. It is not Jesus and the Libertarian, the third party. It is not any of those parties I desire that in every place the men should pray. He says, pray. Your prayer, not equivalent to your vote. Your prayer should take precedence every time. Every time. We should be people of prayer. A lot of times we are more known for who we voted for and our political ideologies than whom we bow before. I would argue that we're bowing before the God of politics. There's demonic power in that, guys. Idolatry is a demonic activity. And I am not condemning you. I am in love looking at you and saying Jesus loves you too much for you to be deceived, for you to be taken captive and held by the idea that there's anything outside of Jesus for you. It is Jesus alone. There is no Jesus and. He is enough. He is still the answer. There is no other name. He was given the name above every name. So why, if we've been given permission to approach the name above every other name at any time, in any place, and indeed he commands that we do so unceasingly. Why are we not doing it? I believe we still sometimes buy into the trap, the lie of the devil, that there's something outside of Jesus for us. It is as old as the garden. Eve went outside of God too to get what she wanted. Don't be taken captive, guys. Don't be deceived. The hour is too short. It's too late for us to be blind. We don't want to be blind. Finally, there is 
the praise of adoration and worship. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. Um, there's the prayer, prayer of adoration and worship, which has a place as well where we would take our time. I'm going to move this out of Kristen's way because she's going to come and she has a stand. Thank you, Jonathan. There's the prayer of adoration and worship. Um, <laughs> the Lord's first and greatest commandment was for us to love him with all of our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength. He wants to be adored. He wants a love relationship with you. And so there are times where you just sit at his feet and you gaze into his eyes. And David said, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after all the days of my life, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon his beautiness, his loveliness, to meditate, to inquire in his temple. He just wanted to adore the Lord. Jesus wants to restore worship to his church, adoration, true prayer. Go ahead, stand with me. Um, we're we're going to do something a little different. We used to have, those of you who have been at the church for a while, we used to have Sunday night prayer together. And we don't do that anymore, and that's okay. We are going to pray now. We're going to take our time. We're going to go to the Lord. Worship team, I'm going to ask you to pray. Do what the Levites do. Minister to the Lord. That's your place. Don't sing into your microphones just yet, please. Just minister to the Lord in your own words. You sing to him. You minister to him. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. He's going to come as they do that. We're going to go to him, and we're going to do exactly what he says to do. We're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I'm going to ask you to lift your voices with me. You don't have to scream. It doesn't have to be weird. You can whisper. You can speak. But please don't. I will put the microphone down at some points um, so my words don't get in the way of your words. But please don't stop praying. Um, let's just go to God. And I believe that he is going to send his spirit. So first, we just want to enter your, his gates with thanksgiving, guys, his courts with praise. Let's just begin to praise him. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son on the cross. This is the means by which we are saved. There is no greater gift that you have ever given than that of your son. And so I thank you that when he stooped so low that you then raised him back up. Because you raised him up, God, there is no other name. You bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name. And we can boldly declare, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We praise the name above every name. Lord, I praise you because I can walk. I can talk. I can see. Lord, I thank you for every time that I was sick and you healed my body. I thank you for every bit of brokenheartedness that I've been through where you have restored me. I thank you, Jesus, that you have filled me with your precious Holy Spirit and that he is the power of God and that he does keep me in the love of God, that he does walk with me, that he does guide my path. Lord, I thank you that my path is in your hands that there is nobody who can come and steal anything from me. It is all guarded and protected by the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, and I praise you because you lead us in surpassing victory. And so we honor you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you, Jesus. You are so worthy. Just begin to bless him and tell him how worthy he is. Lord, you're worthy. You are so worthy. Who is worthy? The book of the Revelation says, God, that they looked to see who was worthy to open the scroll, and there was only one that was found worthy. It's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. It's still just you, Jesus. How worthy are you of every bit of adoration, of every bit of praise, of every bit of honor. You are so worthy. Thank you, Jesus. How good are you? How good are you? How good are you, Lord? How beautiful are you, Jesus? How majestic is your name in all the earth? How powerful are you? How mighty are you, Jesus? You are so great. Who could tell how great you are? There is no one who could measure your worth. Holy, 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 holy are you, Jesus. The angels, they circle day and night, and they say the same word. Holy, 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 holy are you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. You are so good. We love you, Lord. Next, I want to just pray over anybody in this room that you don't know the Lord. I want you to know, and for those of you who do, you know someone who doesn't. Maybe you have a family member that you've been praying for. We're going we're gonna to pray. Sometimes we get tired. The Bible says we ought to pray and faint not. We're going to pray right now for salvation to come to households. And if you in this room do not know Jesus Christ, I want you to know that he loved you. He loves you. He came to this earth and he died the death that he died for you. You were worth the price of his life to him. There's no one who loves you more. 
And if you want to know the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to repeat a very simple prayer after me. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and make him Lord of your life, then you will be saved. So just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood. I believe that you were born of the Virgin Mary, that you came to the earth and you lived as a man and you died and you were buried and you were raised again on the third day and you are seated at the right hand of the Father and you reign forever and ever. Right now, God, I give you my sin. I give you all of my sin. You paid the price for it. You removed it from me. And I receive that gift right now. Save me. Make me yours. In Jesus' name, we say amen. And now I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. The angels in heaven are rejoicing because some in here just gave their life to the Lord. But I want to pray with you over your loved ones who do not know him. Eternity is nothing to play about. It is forever. It is forever. It does not end. We don't want to get tired of praying for those who don't know the Lord. So we're going to pray over them. Lord, I lift up. You know every single name. You know the faces and the names that are coming to hearts right now. And your word says that it is your desire. Y'all pray, not just me. You know your people. I don't. You know, the word says, God, that you desire that every man should be saved, that all should come to salvation that all should come to salvation. God, it is your will for that person to come to faith in Jesus. We pray for your power unto salvation. God, I ask for such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost, that souls are saved, that lives are added to the kingdom, that those who have been far away would be brought near. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes to see that you are good, that you are holy, that, excuse me, that you're real that you're true, that you're for them, that the death you died was for them. Jesus, we ask for salvation for our loved ones. Next, I want to pray for anyone who has a need in your body. If you're sick, if you're in any kind of pain, the Bible says by his stripes we're healed. And so I want to pray for you and not just needs of the body, but also torments of the mind. If you are struggling with depression, with anxiety, with a feeling of heaviness, I'd like you to raise your hand, not out of embarrassing you, but so that the people around you can lay a hand on you and they can just pray. So if you're struggling with any kind of sickness, any kind of torment, would you raise your hand and everybody else look around to see the hands that are raised. Would you gather around them and just begin to pray as I pray too. Lord, I thank you for the hands that are lifted. I thank you for the hands that are lifted in faith. And you said it, you said it in your word that by your stripes we are healed. And so I declare healing all over the room. I plead the blood of Jesus over every tormented mind. I plead the blood of Jesus over every wound, over every ailment, over every bit of pain, over every bit of sickness, lingering diseases, not stubborn diseases, over skin conditions. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus all over this house and ask for healing. God, pain in legs. I just feel like somebody's like in, in, in pain in their legs. God, I ask that you heal them right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over their legs. Um, I, I feel like there's somebody who maybe has like a pain in a foot. Uh, God, I just ask you just to heal that foot right now. Plead the blood of Jesus over this place and ask for healing. We ask for healing and we thank you for it. We thank you, Jesus, that it's done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next, I want to just move us to praying for our church. We are here for a reason. God has placed us all here for a reason. There are lives that need to be saved, and, and our pastors have been faithful. They've been, uh, the way I keep track of how long they've been here is how long I've been alive. Luke and I were the same age. I'm six months older, so it helps me to keep a track. So they've been here for now. Um, I'm 31. It'll be, I think this is their 31st year. So I'd like to pray over them because it is no small thing to do it for 31 years. I think the average life expectancy of a pastor in a church is like under five years. And they've been here for 30 plus. So can we just pray for our pastors? But I also want you to pray for each other. They are not the church alone. They need us as we need them. And so I'd like to pray for the next 31 years of this church that God would lay his hand here, that his spirit would pour out here, that he would be able to dwell here. 
through you and I. So if you're near our pastors, by all means, lay your hands on them. If not, just extend your hands. Lord, I thank you that you have your hand on this church. I thank you for years and years of faithfulness on your end and years and years of faithfulness on theirs. I ask that you bless them, Pastor John and Miss Gwen, and their entire family for the years of service, loyalty, faithfulness, and prayer ministry that they have given to us. We honor them. Your word tells us that we are to honor our leaders that labor amongst us for the gospel. We honor them before you. We honor them before the throne room of heaven. And I know that all of heaven is honoring them right now. I ask that you give them wisdom, that you give them vision, that you give them revelation. God, I ask that their love for you would grow stronger with each passing day. I ask that as they come into their 31st, their 32nd, their 50th year here, that they would be more in love with you than when they began. I ask, God, that you would put your word in their mouths, that they would speak with authority, they would, that they would speak by the Spirit of God, that you would bring people to us and send us to people to whom we can minister. I pray for this entire body, that you would pour out of your Spirit, that every single one of us, God, would be filled with our Holy Spirit, and that we would labor with our pastors for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your gospel. God, I pray that we would not grow faint, that we would not grow weary. Your word says that we, if we will not grow weary of doing well, that we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I just pray for weariness to be broken in the name of Jesus, for new life by the Spirit, for energy that comes from him. Paul said, I labor with all the superhuman energy that the Spirit enkindles within me. I speak that over this congregation. God, I pray that you pour out of your gifts. We need them. We need your gifts. The gifts of the Spirit need to be active in this church. I ask that you do it. I ask that you pour out of your gifts. I ask that you speak to callings, confirm purposes, lead their paths, direct their steps. God, may they be used, every single one of them. May their families be dwelling places for your Spirit. When you step into their homes, I pray that the tangible presence of the Spirit is felt because they've learned to walk in your presence. I ask for a new zeal. Your word says we are to be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. I ask that we would be lit on fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. I just ask for fresh fire, for a fresh outpour of this Spirit like we've never known. God, I'm not asking you to do what you've done of old. I'm asking you to do a new thing. I'm asking you to increase it in this church, increase it in this body, increase it in our families. I ask that you come and you fill us with your Spirit. How? We need you. Give us wisdom, Jesus. Give us wisdom, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Finally, I want to pray for your families. Um, there are marriages that are strained. There are relationships that are difficult. There are miscommunications that happen. Um, the devil loves to get into the middle of a relationship and just bring all kinds of confusion. We've seen it time and again, and even more so since the hit of the pandemic and people leave churches and people leave marriages, and it should not be so. The enemy is uh, just having a field day. Not here, not anymore, because we're going to pray. So, Lord, I just lift up every single person in this room, every marriage, every relationship that is represented. I ask that the Holy Spirit would be in the relationship. I ask that we would take seriously your commandment to walk in love with one another, that you would teach us to receive your love and then to give it back to one another. Help us to bear with each other with patience, like your word says, with all humility, like your word says to do, with all gentleness, with all kindness. Would we love each other? Would we love each other deeply? Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for her friend. God, make us willing, if it should come to that, that we would die to ourselves in order that they might live. Teach us to die to our own ways, to our own pride, pride to our own desires, that yours might thrive. I pray healing in broken relationships right now in the name of Jesus, that you would bring peace that you would bring unity in this church, unity, in marriages, unity, amongst children, unity, amongst siblings, estranged siblings, unity, peace, the power of the Spirit. I pray that, Lord. I pray that. Thank you, Lord. Finally, I want to just conclude this Memorial Day weekend. Um, there are those who have lost their lives in battle. Uh, there may be some veterans amongst us. It's not Veterans Day, but I do honor you, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for our president. And I know they're getting ready to do, like, uh, bids for who's going to be the next president. I want to pray for them, too. The Bible says we pray for kings and for who all who are in high positions of authority. I want to pray for these men, for these women. I want to ask that the Lord would keep them, 
that he would love them. See, when I'm saying this, some of you right now, you have a bad feeling in your soul about a particular politician. You could name some names that you don't like. That's not coming from the Lord, and it should not be so for you. Our hearts should be softened with the greatest humility, and we should be willing to bow our knees, even for the political leaders that we do not like. So I want to pray over our country. I want to pray over our military, and I want to pray that the Lord would lay his hand on this country and that it would be in America as it is in heaven. So God, we just lift up our president. We lift up the politicians. We lift up our local governors. We lift up the mayors. Lord, we lift every single one of them, our military leaders, the generals, the commanders of armies. We lift up every name that could be named of people who are in high positions of authority. And I ask for your protection, Lord. I ask that you would keep them, that you would keep them from the traps of the enemy. I ask that you would open up their eyes to see that Jesus is King, that he is Lord. If they don't know him. God, I pray such a wave of the Spirit that there would be an outbreak of salvation. I pray for the Lord and His righteousness to be in every single place, in the mayoral mansions, in the governor's mansions, in the White House, on the battlefield. God, I pray the Spirit of God would be everywhere because for you are all things, to you are all things, and you are in all things. And so I pray, Jesus, for peace to reign on the earth, for your peace across the United States of America. I pray that the fighting would cease and the praying would begin. God, I pray that we, when we are tempted, when we're tempted to belittle or badmouth another individual, that you'd remind us that that is not our portion, that we are the ones who pray, that we are the ones who bow before you and ask you to bless, that we bless and we don't curse, that we don't trade insults back and forth. God, I pray that we would love those who do not love us because if we love those who love us what credit is that to us none none and you want to give us rewards you want to honor us for walking in your ways may we do it may we do it god may we boldly love in the face of accusation may we boldly love in the face of lies may we boldly love in the face of persecution we are living in a time where people cannot stand christians Everywhere you look, someone is saying something about American Christians and how much they hate them because they don't align with one thing or another. God, we should not be found arguing. We should not be found taking up our own cause. But we should rejoice that we can be able to bear persecution on account of the name because the Bible says, blessed are they when they speak all kinds of evil against us because of your name, that we receive a blessing from our Father in heaven. So we thank you that we are chosen to live in these times and we want to pray. Lord, we want to pray. We want to pray and ask that your will would be done all over this earth, all over our nation, as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you have heard us today. I thank you, Jesus, that you have poured out your spirit and you are moving in these prayers today. I thank you that your hand is on this nation, that your hand is on our families, that your hand is on this church, that your hand is on our bodies, that your hand is on our children, that your hand is in this place. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. I want to let the worship team go ahead and y'all can sing the song, You Are the Lord, You Are the Lord. Never forget who the Lord is. Then Pastor Tom will come and he will close it out.